Before we go to the message, I want to uh, set up the last sermon of this series. And the sermon series we've been in is Wake Up. Everybody say, Wake Up. Wake up. It, it was birthed out of a rhythm I saw throughout Scripture of the Lord warning us at times, hey, don't fall asleep. Do not fall asleep. In this world, you can fall asleep. I'm not talking physically, but spiritually, you can fall asleep. Emotionally, you can get apathetic. You can lose your passion and focus and start living for other things. You fall asleep to really the reason why you're alive and why you're here to change the world one person at a time. There's a church of Sardis, the, the dead church is what they called them in Revelation. And basically, the Lord's saying, wake up, you're dead. And the reason why he's calling them dead is because they're doing nothing for the kingdom. A dead man is doing the same amount as you are as you are alive. And if you're alive today, I got to let you know something real quick. If you're not doing anything for the kingdom, you're tied with a dead person right now. Start acting alive for the kingdom. Start doing things for God. It's part of the, the, the life we're called to live. So we're going to wake up to our promise, wake up to our purpose, wake up to an opportunity. And so the sermon we're going to finish with today is wake up and fight. Everybody say fight. Yeah. Now, the way that I want to unpack this real quick is I believe that the Lord shows throughout Scripture that the practical and spiritual cannot be separated. The faith and wisdom, that the Spirit and the Word of God, they, they, they need to go hand in hand. I, I feel like the practical is the right leg and the spiritual is the left leg. And if you're only practical in this world, you're kind of hopping around. And if you're only spiritual in this world, you're only hopping around. But if you operate with both things the Lord taught you how to operate in, I believe you can have victory and you can defeat a lot of things. The reason why I said I want to read you a verse and we're going to pray and I'll go on the message. It says this in Judges 3. These are the nations that the Lord left in the land to test those Israelites who had not experienced the wars of Canaan. Stop. Do you know the Lord will test you? I don't know about you, but I was never good in school with tests. I will never brag I was the best student. Um, even with Bible stuff in Bible college, I still wasn't that great. Forgive me. But I'm just not, I just wasn't great at tests, okay? But the Lord brings us tests to strengthen us and to develop us. It's okay. It's a good thing to be tested. We maybe hate it during the time, but man, it produced a lot of fruit. And here's what it says. This was the test. He did this to teach warfare to generations of Israelites who had not experienced in battle. It goes on to say the nations that were left there were all the ites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, all the ites, okay? And I believe in our generation of the church, I think we have to be taught how to battle again. Bottom line, this is a book of Judges where there's a lot of defeat, not a lot of victory. There's a lot of bondage, not a lot of freedom. There's a lot of hopelessness, not a lot of hope. And so God says, man, i got to teach my people how to war again. i got to teach them that it's about living a practical life and honoring the principles and being obedient. But i got to teach them that there's a spiritual aspect. The Bible says that we fight against principalities, not flesh and blood. And so there's something about praying against the enemy of hell and the gates of hell and the church actually understanding. And I believe that this message, I pray, that if you haven't learned how to fight yet, fight for your family, fight for your own life, fight for your church, that at the end of this message, you're like, okay, I get it that there is a spiritual war going on. I'm built for it. And if you are going through a perfect season of your life, this message is not going to be for you. But if you have anything that you're struggling with, if you have any war going on right now, any battle, and the Lord is not wasting what's going on in your life, he is developing a great soldier for Jesus. He is developing somebody who is going to change other people's lives because of the burden that you're going through right now is going to become beautiful because it's going to be something that blesses somebody else. So, man, I want us to be a church that knows how to fight, that knows how to fight for our families, that knows how to war against the enemy. I don't want us to walk blindly into battle and say, man, why are so many things happening? It's because we just didn't know how to fight. Jesus wants to teach them how to war again. 
just wants to teach us how to war again. Do you hear me this morning? Let's pray. Lord, this morning as we pray, Lord, may you show us through Scripture how we're supposed to defeat the enemy, how we're supposed to not fight for victory, but fight from victory. Lord, the victory is already ours. You show in 1 John that all we have to do is trust you for the victory. So, Lord, I, I think of Joshua, the great warrior who defeated 31-plus kings before the 12th chapter. You gave him a game plan, and he was obedient to it, and there was a spiritual aspect to it. Lord, I pray right now that if there are principalities in this region, which there are, oh, use Mission Church to defeat them. May this region be free of the enemy. May there be a revival in this region. May people's lives be changed. May the captives be set free in the name of Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. All right, this can be quick. I'm going to go hard in the paint. I'm going to talk not faster, not slower, just the same pace. Um, I was thinking about going faster, but I think that would be super dangerous if I were really fast. And be like, what happened? Okay, so I'm going to go slower. Um, just so you're like, can he go any faster? Yes, I can go a lot faster, just so you know. Um, I'm going to keep it smooth today, okay? One of the first things that you need to see throughout Scripture, and I want to teach us how to fight today, is that the spiritual will always affect the practical. In the fight against the enemy and the fight of life, and there's so many different things you can fight. You can fight your spouse. You can fight for a promotion. And those are all things that happen throughout life. But I believe the thing that really is at the core of all these things is sin and the spirit of darkness. And so there is this king, Jehoash. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh, my Bible teacher always told me to say it really confidently, and nobody will uh, question you. So, Joash, okay? In discussion. <laughs> you say confidence, all good. He is experiencing a lot of defeat. Just, man, not a lot of wins lately, if I can put it that way. A lot of the people around him, a lot of the armies around him, they're just losing one after another. And if you're somebody, man, you just don't feel like you have a lot of momentum on your side, I, this, is, this is for you. So he goes to Elisha. And Elisha's about to die, but he's going, he goes to a man who has experienced a lot of victory. Very simple principle in that. Man, if, you, if you're struggling, find people who live in victory. You've got to get around people who know about victory. If, you, if your marriage is struggling, get around somebody who has a marriage that is victorious. If, you have, if, you're, if your kids are struggling, get around parents who are, are raising their kids well and say, man, what, what is it? And sometimes you find out it's just, you know, prayer. That's it. What, what a powerful gift, though. If you're struggling in business and you're like, man, I just don't know how to steer my finances, get with somebody who has victory in finances. So Jehoash goes to Elijah, who's had a lot of victories, and this is what he says to him. King of Israel, uh, he comes to him and he goes, uh, Jehoash, the king of Israel, went and uh, sat next to him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. He's crying. He's like, oh my gosh, we're, we're going to lose. Like, and the northern uh, part of Israel is about to be deleted. Okay, they're, they're, and that's why he's so afraid, like defeat after defeat. And Elisha sees this opportunity, he's about to die, and he goes, all right, I'm going to teach you how to fight in the spiritual. Because what Elisha's going to show Jehoash and, uh, and me, let's call, let's call him King Jay, is that cool? It's just a lot easier for me. He's going to show King Jay. What he's going to show King Jay is that the spiritual affects the physical. And so he says, go get a bow and arrow. I'm about to teach you how to fight a whole different way. So he goes and gets the bow and arrow, and Elisha says this to King Jay, get a bow and some arrows, and he did so. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. When he had taken it, Elijah put his hands on the king's hands, open the east window, he said, and open it and shoot. Elijah said, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the Lord's arrow of victory over Aram, Elijah de declared. You will completely destroy the Armenians of Aphek. Stop. Open up the east window. Not the west, not the north, not the south. 
I want to hear this, and I hope I didn't ask Mike Lucia if it's okay, but I'm just going to do it and ask for forgiveness instead of permission. Cool. Okay. Uh, is I believe that you have to define where you want to have victory. You have different areas. He could have shot the arrow, but he said, this is, th- that army's over there. This is where you're struggling. Sometimes we get paralyzed because we have so many battles. Pick one battle this week. Just one battle and, 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 and declare victory over that battle. Start praying for that, uh, that, 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 that battle. Michael Chi and I were talking. He gave me a call about a month ago, and Mike is an amazing man of God. He's inspired me a ton in this season, but he calls me, and a, a promotion is being talked about. And he can fight for a promotion, but here's what he knows about this next promotion. He's not going to see his family as much, and he's not going to be able to be at church as much. And he is defining in his mind, where do I want victory in my life? I want victory in my church, and I want victory in my family. You can't have victory everywhere. You're going to have to lose in some places. And so many of us, we want to win with everybody. I'm sorry. I just let you know. I know I can't win with everybody in the room. Music's too loud. Music's too quiet. You should do two songs. You should do 18 songs. I'm keeping real. This is real requests, okay? You should preach for 20 minutes. You should preach for 40 minutes. You should never preach. Thank you very much. Those people are unpleased somewhere else. I can't please everyone, but I can please God. I'm going to please my wife. I don't want her mad at me. You know what I'm saying? Happy wife, happy life. You know what I'm saying? I define where I'm on my victories. I have such an interesting thing where the enemy attacks me where I cannot rest very well because I feel like I'm being lazy and not stewarding my life. That is a lie. I need to win in rest and refreshment. And when I win in rest and refreshment, here's what happens. People go, Pastor, I can't believe you didn't do anything today for people. I'm not going to win with you, but I won in rest and refreshment today. I opened up the right window, and that's where I, I shot my arrow of victory. You got to define we're going to have victory. I'm just getting started. Here we go. I'm just getting started. Name that movie. Al Pacino. Never mind. Wow. <laughs> Nobody watches movies in the house. Okay. <laughs> Me either. All I do is pray. Okay. Um, Elijah said, and he shot the arrow of the victory. Then he said, take the arrows, and the king took them. Elijah told him, strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you'll be, uh, d- uh, be defeated and only, only have three victories. Stop. I don't know about you, but when I first got to church and people were praying and they would ask me to pray, I was the guy who would be like, thank you, Jesus, and I'd be done. Because the enemy was attacking my confidence. The enemy cannot steal your calling, he cannot steal your gifts, but he can steal your confidence. And at this moment, in this spiritual moment, the, the king has no confidence in the spiritual. And so here's what I see in this. I want you to catch this real quick. He said, grab the arrows, knock the arrows. But what happened is, is he does it three times. Like, I didn't say stop. Keep, keep, keep being spiritual for this moment. Because what you do in the spiritual will affect the practical. If you would have prayed more, you would have had more victory out there. You prayed three times, basically, we could put it that way. You took the arrows and declared three prayers. I never said stop. You should have kept going until I said, okay, you're good. There's a moment. Do you ever read a Bible verse that just messes with your theology? Where it's like, oh, I never saw it that way. One of those ones? So Joshua, they, had, they lose the Achan, and he's praying on his face. God, why? Why, God, why? And God literally says, get up. You telling a man to stop praying, God? It's not a prayer thing right now. It's a practical thing. Joshua, I told you not to steal any of the the gold. That was for me. There's somebody in your camp that was disobedient. This is a practical thing that's leading to loss, not a spiritual thing. 
the practical and spiritual, you can't separate them. They're all throughout Scripture. I want you to hear this real quick. For you to have victory in your marriage, it's not going to be because you read a book and tried some tools. You've got to get on your face and start praying and fighting for your marriage. I speak joy over my marriage. Oh, I pray that my wife would listen to me more in the name of Jesus. Come on now. I pray that she would. Come on now. Come on. Come on. Come on. Lord, give me authority like no other. Wisdom to lead. Wisdom to love. Wisdom to surrender. Eight percent of New Year's resolutions succeed. Eight percent. I think we're really good at starting stuff. We're not very good at finishing stuff. Here's a sadder stat. Eighty percent of New Year's resolutions end by February. Just so you know, New Year's starts in January. Okay? <laughs> That's devastating. I want to show you a video real quick. It's very practical, but just something about not giving up and being faithful until somebody says stop. Watch this video. 45 million views in the last few months on this video, and I believe for a number of reasons. One is I believe that we need more people in our life to tell us to keep going instead of quit. Joshua, another principle. This is, again, a man of war in the sense that he was used to take back ground from the enemy. They're at the walls of Jericho, and what an amazing uh, picture we're going to have because you look at Elisha and you look at King Jay, and it's all about the spiritual before the practical. And the spiritual part of this story is very simple. You should have prayed more, you would have had more victory. That's all Elisha's saying to him. You rely too much on your enemy uh, warfare skills instead of your spiritual skills. I'm going to teach you how to fight. Before I go on to Joshua, I want to share this with you. My, my grandma, if you were here our first month, I shared about how my grandma led me to the Lord, but there's three things. When I did my grandma's funeral a handful of years ago, she had this Bible, and it was every single one of her, um, she was the first one in our family to get saved, and all of her nieces and nephews and grands, I mean, grandsons and granddaughters, all of them got saved what age, and I was in there at age four. She had three things under my name that she prayed for every day. And every time I saw her, she always told me, and always was like, okay, Grandma. And it was these three things. One is she prayed for my salvation, which happened. Then she prayed for my ministry. Remember, I was telling me, hey, something, some, something on you, Ty. I think you might be a pastor one day. Okay. I was like, I want to be Michael Jordan at the time, okay? That didn't work out. <laughs> and then my future marriage, my future wife. Every time I date a girl, first time, does she love the Lord? Yeah, Grandma, it's good. It's good. Yeah. I'm praying for your future wife, however. If that's not your future wife, she shouldn't be with her. I'm praying for your future wife. Thanks, Grandma. So for my whole life, my grandma pounded the arrows of prayer over my life, the spiritual. Oh, my ministry, my marriage, my, my life. The three most blessed things in my life. I am reaching, uh, reaping harvest in ministry that I did not plant. And my marriage is one of the greatest things that I could ever experience in my life. And I don't think it's just a practical thing. I think because my grandma went to war for me when I didn't know how to war. She went to battle for me when I didn't know how to battle. I, can we just be real on? I'm gonna, this might be too transparent. We need to talk about it. Okay, here we go. Uh, I'm in high school. I'm on a basketball team. Twelve hoopers on my team. And me and a Mormon kid are the only two virgins on our basketball team, okay? Uh, wow, that's, that's a lot of information. Yeah, buckle up. I'm just getting started, okay? Yeah. You can't be transparent at church. Where can you be transparent? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I wasn't a virgin by choice, okay? The Mormon kid was. He wasn't allowed to leave his house after 4 p.m., okay? His name is Chris. His parents are like, you're not dating until you're 25, like, like after your trip or whatever. So, so me and him, like, but everybody else, I mean, our school was called STD High. 
no joke, 60% of our blood was rejected by the blood drive because of how many STDs our school had. Whole different ball game, Rogers High School. Straight up, shout out to Rogers High School. We're praying for you, okay? Um, my first few years of high school, before I really fell in love with the Lord and understood my decisions, I would, was trying to do that, okay? Oh, this is really personal. I know, chill out. Um, every time I'd be at a party and I'd be walking somewhere to maybe th- for that to happen with somebody, like something would happen. It was like somebody like walk up and even interrupt us. And like just like the moment would pass and the, the, the opportunity would pass. And, and then the girl I dated was the only girl I felt like in high school that was like, I'm waiting till I'm married. I was like, great. My grandma. Let's, I need to hear this real quick. 29 years old and I was a virgin when I married my wife. And it wasn't because of my practical decisions. I believe my grandma was like, devil, not today. Amen. Devil, you get away from my grandson. Amen. I pray for his future marriage. I pray, that, uh, I pray for his life. I pray for his ministry. He is not yours. I believe that we need people in the church that will pray for the young people and pray for the person on the right and left, and they would benefit from their prayers. I don't think I'm the ugliest guy. I, I have to believe it was prayer that stopped it. I have to. I have to. Don't leave. Don't leave over that story. Don't leave, please. Let's get back to Scripture. Because that's the only thing that can redeem this, okay? Joshua. So you got Joshua. And Joshua is about to see one of the greatest miracles that God's people ever saw. It's the wall of Jericho. So God promises this spiritual breakthrough. I'm going to take care of it, but here's what you need to do practically. I want you to walk around the wall seven times. So Joshua gives this commandment to everybody. Do not shout. Do not even talk. Joshua commanded, not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout, then you shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day, and then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. We're going to walk around this thing seven times, and nobody's allowed to talk. Because last time you talked, we got stuck out of the promised land. Because when people talk a lot of time, they talk about quitting and grumbling. So a practical thing Joshua says is, guess what? We're going to see victory, but it's not because you're going to talk about it. We're going to be faithful to what God said. So we're going to do it. So seven times, nobody's talking. Because if you know about the promised land, when people are walking, like, oh, my gosh, why did Moses do this? And they just grumbled, and they talked, and they talked. And they forfeited the promise line because it all started with somebody doubting and speaking quitting instead of speaking victory. You need to get around people that don't speak death around you. You need to be somebody who speaks life. Sometimes you just got to stop talking. You got to start praying. Man, prayer is one of the greatest gifts the church has. One of the greatest gifts to see breakthrough in your life, in your marriage, in this region. Two things, I, I, just practical things that I think that you could do in your life spiritually that you would see an amazing breakthrough on how to fight. Three things, ready? I believe you need more faith in your life. God gauges people's faith throughout their, his journey. You have much faith, you have little faith. Why not? Because we don't have enough faith. And start believing God. That's a part of the spiritual dynamic of warring. I believe that God will break down walls I can't break down. Another spiritual thing that you need to start putting your tool about how to war is simply this. You need to start praying more. And don't just pray a little bit. Oh, I, I tried, Tyler, I prayed twice this week. Don't stop praying until he says stop praying. 
Next one is the Bible. It is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, separating bone from marrow. Come on, it, it, it's, it is food for our soul. It is spiritual. The Bible is not just practical. It is spiritual. It feeds your spirit. And you may be saying, like, I just don't know. Here's one of the greatest gifts I can give you about reading your Bible. Read one verse a day. That's it. Just say, I'm going to read one verse a day. And usually one verse turns into two verses. Two verses turn into three. But just one verse at least, and watch what happens in your life. Last but not least, man, you need the Spirit of God. Old Testament, the, the Hebrew word is ruah. Ruah. New Testament is pneuma. Pneuma. And the word ruah is wind. It's breath. It's and you look throughout Scripture, and the Ruah of God, the Spirit of God, was always there when God was doing something that we could never do. Not by might, not by power, not by strength, but by the Spirit. And there's this thing in the world, our earth, it's called the doldrums. It's literally a place where if sailboats go, there's no wind, and they get stuck. And before there was motors, they would get stuck in this part of the water. They literally called the doldrums, and they would starve to death because they couldn't get out with their boat. And I want you to hear this real quick. If you've been struggling lately, I picture a lot of people with a paddle and a boat, and they're just, <laughs> I'm going to get to where I'm supposed to get. I'm going to get to the promise. God promised me. And they're just worn out. Here's why you're worn out. God is asking you to throw up your sail practically and have him <laughs> breathe on your life and do things that you could never do in your own strength. It's the breath of God. He wants to breathe on your life. He wants to strengthen you in areas that you can strengthen. It's the spirit of God. Now, the odds may be against us, but man, God's spirit is for us. But so many of us try everything in our might, our strength, and our charisma. Instead of saying, God, will you breathe on this? Will you breathe on a region? Will you breathe on my family? Will you, will you change a region? It's a gift. It's, it's throughout the Bible. It's, it's what lives in us. The power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Man, don't question it. Let it, let it do what it's supposed to do in your life. Amen? Amen. We invite the worship team to come up. And uh, we're going to finish with two things. The practical will affect the spiritual. So I just let you know in the fights, the spiritual will affect the practical. I shared a couple of practical things, but I want you to see this real quick. There's these two moments in 2 Kings 3.16, and it's, again, uh, it's Elisha with this one, and then I'm going to share uh, another one uh, with Elijah. There, there's uh, two moments, three moments with Elisha I want to share. And it's interesting because Elisha is amazing. He's very spiritual, 28 miracles. Elijah had 14 Elijah asked for a double portion. He had 28, and the only one with more miracles in the Bible is Jesus. So Elisha, I love looking at this story because I want to see somebody who had a lot of spiritual breakthrough but also was very practical in it too. 2 Kings 3.16 says, and he said this, and this is a moment where they feel defeated, they're tired, they're worn out, and they're saying, man, we don't know what to do. We're going to lose. We have no water to drink. How do we win? We have nothing. And this is what Elisha says. Make the valley full of ditches. Start digging ditches. Start digging holes. For thus says the Lord, you shall see the wind, neither shall you see the rain. Yet the valley shall be filled with water, and you may drink both yea and your cattle and your beasts. I thought I'd go King James on you that one just for fun. And it came to pass in the morning when the meat offering was offered, that behold, there came water by the way of Edom, and the country was filled with water. Stop. I want some breakthrough in my life. Start digging ditches. What does a, dig, uh, a ditch being dug in this, uh, I hope I said that right, what does it look like to dig a ditch in this season of your life? Three very practical things to see some spiritual things poured in your life. Ready? I believe this. Join a small group. Join us. It's so practical. A lot of people go, man, like my life's so hard. I, 
I could not imagine joining a small group. It seemed like the worst, like, hey, strangers. Man, church went the next level for me when I joined a small group. Start serving. All these practical things are going to bring spiritual blessing in your life. Start giving to people. Man, a generous heart. Man, when you let God get things to you and get through you, it brings a spiritual breakthrough in your life. Start being generous. Another practical thing, forgive. Start digging ditches of forgiveness and watch God bring healing waters into your life. Four very practical things that I bring, believe bring spiritual breakthrough and fight for you. There's another one. It's very simple, and I'm almost done, and we'll go back into worship real quick. But Elijah has this moment where he uh, comes across this woman, and she is basically at her wit's end, has nothing, and says, man, we have no provision. We're going to starve to death. So Elijah says, go get jars. Very practical. Go get jars. And man, what, what an interesting thing for them to go, okay, I'll go get some jars. But watch what happens here. Elijah told her, when, uh, what can I do for you? And man, that's a, I, I believe a question God asks us all the time. Tell me what do you have in the house. I love that. What can I do for you? But the question always comes back to us a lot. Well, what do you have? God can use what you have. He doesn't waste anything. He doesn't waste the hard days. He doesn't waste the hard moments. He doesn't waste the wounds. He wants to know what you have so he can actually do a miracle with what you have because he can do way more with what you have than what you can do with yourself. Yes? Then he said, go around and get jars from all around your neighbors. Get empty jars, many of them. Then go in and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour the oil into these jars and set aside each one that is full. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They took uh, the jars to her and she poured. When the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another jar. And he said to her, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God. And he said, go and sell the oil and pay for what you owe. You and your sons can live on the rest. Stop. It's an amazing story about the practical affecting the spiritual. I want you to picture jars as people for a second. I was with a pastor this week, and we're talking about just the seasons of our church, and their church is around the same age as us, a little few months older, and he said, so how's things going? I'm like, pretty good, pretty good. Well, he's like, hey, you guys have any salvations yet? How many people have been saved in your church? I was like, I think like 164. I didn't think much of it. It's just our church. It's normal to me. He looks at me like crazy. What? 164 people? He's like, we've had 16, man. And we, that's double the stat for a year. It's 70% of churches have seven or less salvations a year. 10% 10, 10 of churches don't have salvations. So he looks at me and goes, how in the world do you have 164 salvations? You're giving out like $1,000 each time somebody raises their hand? I was like, nah, man, 10 grand. We in the East Bay, bro. <laughs> People don't get out of bed for a grand no more. You got to put stacks on stacks. Just kidding. I said... Here, sorry. The chip, the chip didn't work. Second service is going to get a way whole different service. No story about how I'm still a virgin. I'm going to throw that out. Uh, not going to do stacks on stacks. Throw that out. You come to the unfiltered, unedited service, all right? Sorry. I got to compose myself. Um, I said there's two things I believe that we're doing. Can't take any of the credit, but here's what we do. From day one, we prayed for a thousand salvations. We had small groups and team night, and we would cry out, Lord, a thousand salvations. Sons and daughters, come home. We knock the arrows. Father, there are people in this region that are blind. We want them to see. There are people in this region that are broken that we want to see restored. So we pray our face off. The spiritual has affected the practical. 
And the second part, I said simply this, is that we have people who invite people to church. What a practical thing. You can't fill jars if you don't go get jars. We want to see more jars. If I'm being honest, this is summertime and we don't have a lot more room in this house. We're gonna probably add, have to add a third service. We're gonna add another jar to Mission Church. Amen. And the reason why we're gonna add another jar is because God wants to fill more jars. And what I notice in churches is when we stop getting jars, the spirit stops flowing. Last jar, well done. May we never be content with enough jars. May we always be practical and spiritual as a church. May we pray like we've never prayed. May we love like we never loved. May we steward like we never steward. May we forgive like we never gave. May we serve like we never served. All these things we gotta do. Yeah. I feel like I need to show you. Here's what I mean by that. I'm gonna read you a scripture that I have prayed hundreds of times over my life and at least 50 times over our church's life and over your life. And this may get a little awkward for you, but I feel like sometimes just it's good to teach, but sometimes you got to shelve. I am, I, I am more of a visual person learning than I am an audible person. I can be like, okay, so just take the pin out of this and put the pin in there. I'm like, I don't, I didn't hear anything. Show me. And Jesus came because, man, God's people, they were being taught, but man, you need to show them the living God. This is how I roll. This is how I live. This is how I pray. The disciples in Luke, it says that they asked him one thing to teach him. Jesus is raising dead bodies to like literally dead to life. He is miracles feeding 5,000 with a little bit of loaves. And they literally go to him and say, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? You want to know why they said teach us how to pray? Here's why. Because every time those things happened, he was praying before it happened. So they said, can you teach us how to I want to pray like you. So it's the Lord's Prayer. It's an amazing prayer. And I believe that this is my bow. And my prayers are my arrows. And so I grab my bow in the morning. And I'll get to my uh, living room window and I'll look over Walnut Creek. And these are, these are the prayers I pray. And I pe use people by name. If I say your name, I hope it's okay. Everybody needs prayer. I'm like, I don't need that prayer. I'm just, just let, let me just say your name if you're in the house. Don't get mad at me, okay? But people will come to mind and I'll literally say this. I'll read, I'll read in, in, in Matthew 5. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Oh, Lord, I pray for Marcy this morning. Pray that she realizes how much she needs you so the kingdom of God would flow through her life and everybody around her would be blessed. Oh, God, I pray for Mission Church today that we'd realize we need you, God. And I pound my arrows and say, I pray that we would open our eyes this week. All the businessmen, all the moms, all the dads, all the teachers, I pray they'd open their eyes and realize how much they need you today, God, so the kingdom of God would flow through their life. That's my bow, that's my arrow. And then I pray, God, I pray that I never forget how much I need you to lead, to serve, to pastor region. God, I need you today to love my wife, to have joy, to have peace. I need you. May the kingdom of God be mine because I realize the need I have for it. That's my bow, that's my arrow. I'm just getting started, you better buckle up. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That translation to me this, oh man, may we hate sin, may we, may we not enjoy sin. Oh Lord, may we mourn over sin today. May we not have relationship with sin. May we hate sin. Oh, and the people who are being hurt by sin, may we be the people used to comfort them. Spirit, use us to comfort. This is my bow, that's my arrow. I'll be on my face and my wife will walk in sometimes a little awkward. I'll be like, hey, what's up? Just doing my prayer time. It goes on. It says, God blesses those who are humble for they will inherit the whole earth. 
God, I pray for favor over everybody in our church. I pray for favor over my life because God blesses those who are humble. Here's what humble is, meek. How many people do you love that are arrogant and prideful? None! You're like at work, you're like, man, that person's so arrogant, I love that guy. No! The people we love, it's an attribute of Jesus. It's the humility of, on their life. They're humble. There's a meekness about them. There's people I know that are unbelievably successful in business. And I would have never known because the way they carry themselves is not like, I'm amazing. They carry themselves with a meekness that is so attractive to me. And it brings favor on their life. And they inherit the earth. They inherit favor from people in the earth. Another prayer, I pray some of this. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I go through the whole thing, and this one's very simple. I pray, I get on my face, God, I pray right now that we would hunger for you, that we could eat from things of this world, and all will be dissatisfied and will be poisoned, but I pray for the church, and I pray for myself today, God, that we would hunger for you, and we would be filled. That word filled is actually a Greek word that we would be gorged, so overflowing with the righteousness of God that people get to feed off of what you fed off of. That's my bow, that's my arrow. That's how I fight in my life. And man, I want people to fight with me and I, people are fighting with me. I love our church. But man, there's an opportunity this next season for us to fight together. Now let's fight. Let's fight with passion. Let's fight with focus. You can't win in everything, man. Let's win in, let's win in the church. Let's win in the family. Let's win in our workplace with people. Shoot some arrows this week. Sound good? Everybody bow your heads.